like it could be you know go to the grocery store and you sort of meet someone there maybe in the cashier and they they are really angry you sort of you were happy when you came in and you meet someone and then you feel low and then it could be this is not me something happened you took on something and just sort of that understanding that i am open that sort of makes me also to help to balance You're listening to the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast, the show that blends science and heart to bring you evidence-based tips and tricks for cultivating a healthy, wealthy, and meaningful life. Now, here's your host, therapist, yogi, and fellow full-life balancer, Dr. Caitlin Harkis. Hey there, Wisdom for Wellbeing listeners. I am so excited. This is the first episode of 2022, which does mean that Wisdom for Wellbeing is now two years old. I remember as we entered 2020, that New Year's Eve, my partner and I, we were sitting in our office. We heard fireworks going off at midnight as we were editing and pulling together the podcast episodes for the very first season. And my intentionality in in creating wisdom for well-being and bringing this podcast to life has always been to ensure that individuals can access evidence-based information and resources from the field of psychological science, you know, and well-being. And I've really I guess kind of put in perspective that this is more important than ever. You know, the past two years have been so uncertain. You know, we've all got pandemic fatigue and we all have different resources in terms of how we are navigating this uncertainty in these challenging periods. And I very much hope that these episodes coming into your earbuds or onto your Bluetooth speaker or wherever we might be connecting are serving you in offering a little bit of fuel, offering a few tools, frameworks that are helping you in navigating this journey you know we are all in this together you know globally and I think there's something connected in that and it's nice to remind ourselves of this before we dive in to today's episode we're actually talking about the trait of high sensitivity I just wanted to share a little you know treat a little sneak peek of something that has finally come to life this year Yoga Brain 101, my mindfulness and acceptance-based online course that integrates acceptance and commitment training with trauma-sensitive yoga practices is being offered at an early bird rate. So I'm not advertising it as broadly yet, but if you are keen to jump in to use this year as an opportunity to get clear on your values, you know, to figure out who you want to be showing up as and what sort of a life you want to create and then take actionable steps to get there, which may include stepping onto a yoga mat, head to drcaitlin.com backslash yoga brain to get more information. And if you're listening to this episode early enough to, to join in with the early bird opportunity that is available. Of course, you know, if you have any questions, you can pop me an email, hello at drcaitlin.com. I am so excited about this. It's my area of passion and I'm happy to answer any questions and support you as best I can. 
Now, speaking of how we support ourselves, how we move forward to create habits of health and wellness, Thomas Anderson is joining me today. He is the author of The Vulnerable Man, Break Your Patterns, Master Your Emotions, Reclaim Your Life. Thomas has extensive experience from global companies as a project manager, change manager, and management consultant. Yet in 2015, his life changed. Trapped in what he describes as an emotional prison, stuck in the digital stress experience, he found he was on the brink of burnout. And that was a starting point. Over three years, he completely turned his life around. He did many changes with setting boundaries, changes in lifestyle, working out more, and found ways to let his body actually release stress. You know, and in this episode, spoiler, we do talk about yoga. And one thing he learned that made a big difference was what it meant to be a highly sensitive person. This helped him to understand the letting go of emotions, feelings, and limiting patterns and helped him break out of that emotional prison. So he now shares his journey and experiences in both his books and lectures, and he really wants to help create awareness about how to create a sustainable life as well as work in times of change, you know, now so much more than ever. And with this trait of high sensitivity, and that is actually why I really wanted Thomas to come on Wisdom for Wellbeing, because the trait of high sensitivity is something that's been discussed, been talked a little bit about here. I've had a few questions around it. And Thomas so beautifully shares his firsthand experience and shares his experience as a male too. And I think that this is unique because the trait of high sensitivity is non-gendered. You know, it is a personality characteristic, an emotional processing experience. And this means that we all sit somewhere on this continuum of sensitivity. And I think understanding this is really empowering. And I hope that it's going to be informative in how you perhaps navigate your life or how you might understand the individuals around you in their experience of this world and their life's navigation. But without further ado, let me introduce you to Thomas now. So hello, Thomas. Welcome to Wisdom for Wellbeing. I am delighted to be here with you today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I am, you know, really interested and curious to learn more about, you know, your experience unpacking, you know, doing, as you say, everything right, kind of your experience of being a very successful individual and things not aligning to the point that things internally were necessarily feeling right, if we can use that language, yeah, in, yeah. you know, and putting the pieces together and, you know, learning about the trait, high sensitivity, which you have written a book on. Yeah. Um, so there's lots for me to learn here, but I guess just before we dive in and bring listeners with us, if any listeners haven't met you and haven't heard about your work yet, would you mind just giving us a bit of an overview as to who you are and, and what you're doing? Yes, of course. Yes, of course. Yes. Thomas Andersen, living in, in Gothenburg, Sweden. Uh, I wrote the book, The Vulnerable Man, that was released in, in Sweden in 2019 and then in, in English now, 2021. And that uh, book is about sort of my own journey. Uh, about six, six, seven years ago, I sort of hit 
whether hit the wall or burned out or, or whatever uh, word we can use. But it was also so strange at that time because that uh, was a time where I, like I think I had everything, the family, the job, the career and everything, but I was feeling sort of an inner turmoil and this sort of inner, stuck in this inner prison. I didn't know what was wrong and I was feeling very, very bad. And that sort of in the book, I share my journey uh, back and I just felt that I was so lonely with sort of my own thoughts. And then when I sort of went through all these challenges of actually being vulnerable and opening up to talk, to actually say, oh, feelings are thoughts. It's, and, and it's not real. It's, it's in my mind and it's holding me back. It's not true. And just talking about these things, that was so relieving. And then sort of when I went through all these big, big hurdles and changes, I sort of started meeting people and I realized so many people are stuck. And I then thought, how can I help? So then I sort of wrote the book in a very open way just to show it is okay to be vulnerable. And sort of my book is my actual words from my diary, from my journal to sort of show how it can be going through these changes. And I just felt that this could be important to share. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's sort of, but because now I'm back, sort of doing coaching and, and speaking events, but also working as a consultant. I work with this digital transformation thing. So I'm sort of, I'm a normal person back to sort of being an engineer, working with change management, but I went through a rough time that I wanted to share with others. And this is that's, really... Uh, Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, it's it's interesting that you mentioned, you know, that, you know, your thoughts, your feelings, your experience, that your relationship, um, you know, necessarily to get through this changed to those experiences. And it's, it's particularly interesting for me, you know, your book is titled The Vulnerable Man, and men do have a unique experience, don't they, in terms of how you perhaps are expected to show up in the world and relate to feelings and, you know, internal experiences. <laughs> Yeah. No, it's, it's um, what I sort of realized, and it's in a way that I never practiced to sort of put words on my thoughts and feelings, because my biggest thing that I sort of been feeling like my whole life, that's one part of me is wrong. This is the thing I should not show. And that has sort of been my hurdle to go into sort of relationships or, or taking on new things, because I thought that what happens if they actually see me because this part, like I knew, like, like from teenage years, like this is this is not good. I'm too sensitive. I think too much. I overthink and, and sort of, and that has sort of been the blockage for me so many years that this is something that I should not show. And then sort of getting by that and say, hey, I can allow myself being me. I can allow myself being open and talk about this. It's not dangerous. And then also see it was not me thinking it was dangerous. It was scary for others as well. So I think that is the thing. We are holding ourselves back in a fear that is not true. Uh, So but when we start moving into that direction and open up and say, hey, it's not scary. What I realized, sort of my big thing, was that I was sort of afraid from these sort of teenage boys uh, in those years that sort of something happened during that time, sort of bullying or sort of being hard words. Mm -hmm. And I can see sort of, those memories was triggered even when I was adult. And actually when I sort of did my sort of, you know, therapy and going through these things and actually seeing it's these guys, I know their names. And I sort of can just sort of picture what they said, what they did. And it's like, hey, and then I sort of, they are holding me back now, 20 years later. And I realized, no, this is not the life I want to live. And of course it was a big fear or sort of a lot of emotional work to go through it. But I also felt that I'm not gonna let these boys hold me back anymore because they're not here 
So it's, uh, and I think that's true for many of us that that so many things sort of build up, we act the way we should and so on. Yeah, this is, I think, really important to highlight too, isn't it? That you, you almost needed to get clear on what was holding you back and what you were buying into. And I think yeah. we take on the values of our communities, our families, different social circles. And, and yeah. often, generally, it's pretty unconsciously, pretty blindly yeah. until we're often, you know, a crisis is a great period of transformation because it forces <laughs> yeah. our hand where, you know, we have to then kind of unpack yeah. and explore this stuff. And it's something, you know, in, in my work and in, in my courses that we, you know, bring up all the time is like, what is yeah. valued living? Like, what do you want to stand for? Do you want those teenagers telling you what to do? But yeah. Thomas, so what, what was the kind of breaking point? Would you mind talking us through that period like what what was yeah. it that kind of took you to the point where you know you kind of had that that crisis um yeah that, that caused transformation you know that motivated no I, I think in, in my whole life I've been sort of the one want to fixing being the caring one and seeing what needs to be done being sort of highly sensitive and sort of feeling what needs to be done but then I think I just added the good things and I wanted to be everywhere but then it became too much I sort of wanted to do good in my job I was a consultant and I took up sort of new sales responsibilities and sort of it was really, really fun. I was married at the time and I had three stepchildren and I wanted to be there for the, for the family and doing things for them. And I always sort of started skipping my own things. I just thought, oh, they need help or I need to do something. Okay, I'll be there. I'll be there. So I sort of stopped doing things I actually thought I needed to do. Or I, I didn't need, I didn't think, I didn't understand I needed to do it. And then sort of mm. step by step, I was just like, what am I doing? I'm just doing things for everyone else. And then I started to feel, if I stop doing things, I wonder if people like me. Because that has sort of been my big things, because I'm like for the things I do. Since if I don't do the things I do, will people actually like me? Because that's back to sort of, if they see, like the back to that old fear, if people see who I am, they will not like me because I'm, I'm silly, I'm, I'm sensitive, I overthink. So it was like, in a way, holding up the facade, being the one, uh, fixing for everyone. But then also there came, came a time and then I sort of, because I've written a journal for many years and I sort of saw this pattern. It's like, I wrote to myself, what is this? Coming back to myself saying, I'm not good enough. I'm scared all the time. And at that time I also had suicide thoughts mm -hmm. uh, coming to me. I sort of had a plan of how to do that. And I realized that, I, I realized I would not do it. I sort of had that inner feeling. I would not sort of take, take my own life. But the thoughts came and that was rough enough. It was like, I thought how to do it. Like I should go down to the water, maybe fall in the water because I realized if I sort of just kill myself, my, my family would not get any life insurance. So I wanted to make sure it was an accident. You know, so at the end, thinking of others to make sure that others have it okay. But that, that like, then I sort of, no. And it's like this, no. It was like this <laughs> sort of bell sort of, or something ringing in my head. Like, no, this is not the way life should be. There's something wrong. I need to sort of fix things because this is a pattern coming back to me and I'm playing roles. And I had a friend that I spoke to and started sharing. And he's like, Thomas, you need to be you. Stop playing roles. And he's like, yeah, there is something here I need to do. Uh, so it was like at a really dark place, but then I said, I, I just need to change because this is not the way, because I also sort of thought back, I've been feeling better five years, 10 years ago. Okay, this could change. Yeah. So then sort of, I think it was sort of step by step, I realized to, to do this change, I, I just felt that I need to 
sort of exercise more. I need to help my body or my mind to sort of start to change. So the first thing I did was like, in order to my mind to sort of be able to handle things, my body needs to be well. So I started work out more. Uh, I went more into nature, did my walks. I sort of took three times a week. I'm going to the gym and, and it's okay with my family at that time. I, like, I just, I had a bad conscience as well, though, going to the gym, sitting in the sauna afterwards. I was like, oh, I know I should go back. And I was really stressed. But then I sort of started, started saying no to different things at work and sort of setting up my boundaries. And I think that sort of creating space for myself was the first thing. And then I sort of went to sort of understood about highly sensitive and that's <laughs> another big journey. But that I think was the big change. I just felt this is not the life I want to do. And then I had some friends at the way sort of help me and guide me. I think that's really important for listeners who have struggled, who maybe are struggling, may struggle to hear that, yeah. you know, even, you know, in those dark moments, it's really hard to see a way out. It sounds yeah. like you touched base, you got, you know, some insights and perspective, you know, some tips um, and yeah. just space held from some friends and then yeah. took some small actions, you know, starting yeah. with e- in your case, you went, okay, well, I need to get my physical body well so that I can, yeah. you know, then move into, into the emotional mental body. And for you, it was exercise was the first yeah. kind of thing on the plate, the first shift. And I, I think that this is such an important conversation to be bringing light to, because often this is something that gets closed behind doors. You know, we, yeah. we don't talk about our mental health struggles, our mental health journeys. And then we add the shame on yeah. top of the suffering that we're already experiencing. So Ooh, thank you for bringing the shame, this. the shame, yes. <laughs> the shame, <laughs> which, you know, maybe but before we dive into shame, actually, because we have mentioned highly sensitive, um, high sensitivity, the trait of high sensitivity, being a highly sensitive person a few times yeah. for any listeners where this is a new concept, I think this is really important um, because I think there is um, a degree of overlap with, you know, emotional struggles in a world that is not um, as sensitive as it perhaps could mm. be. And this trait. So could, could you share with us what, it, what does it mean to be highly sensitive? Yes, it's, it's uh, personality traits being highly sensitive, just sort of be clear, because sometimes I get that sort of discussion or it's a diagnosis or something like that. No, it, it's a personality trait. We're more or less sensitive. But it says uh, that about 15 to 20% of us are more sort of highly sensitive. And the key thing is that we take in more information. We sort of, it could be smells, it could be sounds, it could be emotions, but it's you're more open. You're sort of the one, for me, for example, that I'm the one sort of taking care. I'm the caretaker. And then I maybe sense how people are feeling. I sense if there's trouble coming. So I'm sort of more open to that. And if you are more open to different kinds of things, it could also be overwhelming. And that sort of creates this sort of overstimulation. So it's a way you have a more sensitive uh, nervous system and being more open to to different kinds of things. And it's been sort of research on this by Elaine Aron since 90s. Uh, I think maybe the key thing for me is like, it was to understand that I'm so, I I sort of sense and sort of maybe being an empath or whatever words we can be using in, in history. But just to sense how people feel, like coming into a room and just like, hey, there's a tension here. And just understand that not everyone sees it. Mm. And that was like, because for me, it's like, it's obvious there's something going on. And you sort of, you're the one asking that extra question. Are you okay? And you see, no, they're not okay. Come on, tell me, how's it going? How's it going? And, and that was for me such a big understanding just to, that we can be different. Because that has been, you know, the part of me that been wrong the whole time. It's like, I see things or feel things and, and other people don't care. 
Yeah. And it's not that other people are wrong. It's just they are a different kind of personality that it is since we are in a society and looking at this, we are a team of 150 people that we've been sort of growing up uh, and we should have different kind of responsibilities and just to understand, okay, I'm the, I'm the caring person, but now we are in an overwhelming world and it's just so much to take care of because there's no stop. So I think that was like for me, this sort of mind blowing thing to understand and then sort of take it back to myself and, and, and understand that. And there's so much so more to talk about highly sensitive, but that's just a short. Uh, I think experience. that's a really beautiful and succinct description, you know, highlighting the fact that this is like a temperament characteristic. It's a trait. Yeah. It's something people like, are born into. And you, you highlighted that we're a team. Like what a beautiful way of looking at it that, you know, there's this spectrum in regards to mm. sensitivity and we necessarily fall at different points because yeah. we evolve to work together as a society. So we all need yeah. different skills. That's such a exactly. lovely way of putting it. Mm. I mean, I think that is sometimes we forget that we are, we are humans, we are sort of based on survival uh, and, and sort of we are, we are quite basic in a way that we are, yeah, eat, make sure that we don't die. I think that's sort of the key thing. And then, then of course, we found our place in society and we adapt. And maybe I was in an environment that you need to adapt in one way and these things were not allowed to talk about. And then it's a fear. You don't think about it. It's just there. To say, don't talk about it because you get hit, you can get hurt. Mm-hmm. So it's just like it's you don't think about it because you should not be able to think about it. I see it like you know taking the hand out of a, the hot stove. You don't think about it. Hey, it's quite hot on the stove here. I think my hand is burning a bit. No, we take it off directly. Of course, it's a bit different in in this uh, autonomous mm-hmm. system, but but in a way, similar things that we do on on being persons. Like we grew up in an environment, and then we learned. This is the way we should act to survive and not getting hit or not getting in trouble or whatever. And it's still there without us thinking about it. And that programming that we have might not help us today. So we need to reprogram a really interesting point and particularly in a society that does often say you know don't be so sensitive toughen up like all of the implicit messaging um and it is interesting because there are cultural elements i you know my background through to psychology was actually through yoga so it was that i was oh, yeah. practicing yoga and i went on to teach yoga and that kind of brought me um i guess in this path of being curious about why this yoga practice was so beneficial for my mental health and for students but it was interesting because in that environment, sensitivity was very normalized, experienced, you know, tapping into different senses of self was something that was in a lot of ways coveted, you know, which had its mm-hmm. own downsides, yeah. but it was very interesting to move from um, kind of a little hippieville in Canada to, <laughs> to Australia and start to notice that actually, you know, this is something that is um, unique or different. You know, I, I think I had a very different experience than you had and kind of coming into you know the languaging and the understanding of of this temperament characteristic but so interesting isn't it that we we I guess without having the language or the the naming of things we can assume something is in air quotes good or bad right there's an Mm, assumption mm. there now you mentioned so you obviously were working as a professional a family you're picking up on what everyone else needed because of sensitivity and you've alluded to the busy world a few times and the fact that you were taking on more and more what what did this mean for you how do you kind of take care of yourself now like what what's changed you know how do you utilize your knowledge of of this 
uh, temperament trait to better care for yourself? Well, I think I think I'm more. I have, of course, I have routines in a way that I sort. I know what I need to sort of balance, and I'm more aware of of others. So in a way, I sometimes sometimes feel like I just need to sort of you know you brush your teeth, you clean your you also wash your hands, and it's like I'm I'm sort of. I don't know. I don't know if the word "wash your brain" is correct in English, but uh, <laughs> it's it. like being brainwashed. So maybe that's the different perspective. No, but it's it's what I see it that I I understand that I take on other emotions and feelings, so I can sort of balance it and see, okay, I I can feel this. This is mine. No, it's not mine. It's just something I took on. Like it could be, you know, go to the grocery store and you sort of meet someone there, maybe in the cashier, and they they are really angry. You sort of you were happy when you came in, and you meet someone, and then you feel it low and then it could be this is not me something happened you took on something and just sort of that understanding that i am open that sort of makes me also to help to balance so also i sort of realized i need this sort of space just to reflect because now we are connected all the time so the natural time to actually don't do anything that we had (laughs) just 20 years ago we had that time actually when we didn't have anything to do and that time was good to just think so for me, just in this sort of world now, it's especially when the corona came, and of course it was different in Sweden, but it's like, I need to set my routines. So like every morning I will go to the gym. It doesn't need that I need to do a big workout. It's just that I actually go out of bed, go down to the gym. Sometimes I go swimming like 20, 25 minutes. Sometimes I do a workout and sometimes I just go for a walk for 45 minutes, but I do something in the morning because I know my body needs it. So it's in a way helping my body to release the stress. And then I, during the midday, I, I try to take a walk. You see, doing things is sort of my, my healing as well. And then also, like in the afternoon, I, I, I like in the evening, I try to also get that time to, to sort of get, not being sort of interactions with social media or, or TV, actually taking space to reflect. So I allow myself to sort of meditate, which I also think before it was like, it was, it was silly to take that time. You should, you should do something. But now I know especially now I work with change management at the big corporation right now. So it's a lot of impressions all the time. So I know that I need space. And I think before I, I thought I need to be social, I need to be things, I need to do things that are yeah in, fun in society. But now it's now more of I need to do the things I need to do. So I think it's many things. And I maybe if you're so struggling, it's, if it's finding those kind of routines and also allowing allowing yourself to test but i think that has been the key thing for me now it, it's the exercise doing that taking time to digest and actually understand my feelings as well sort of put words on it what what do i feel right now what is it oh it's this this anything happened today is there anything i can do so it's also allowing myself to feel these emotions and just letting letting them go i think that was sort of a big thing when i did sort of this uh, understood about highly sensed i went to different retreats and things like that and just sort of allowing the feelings and just like, I'm angry. Okay, what is it about? Okay, and then you can just be angry, scream or do something. Or if you feel sad and you feel like the tears are coming, it's like, okay, just let it go. And not holding emotions in and feelings in is a really a sort of a big change because it's, it's, I don't judge them. I can just say, hey, my body is feeling something. Okay, let it go. That's and really... that has sort of been my key thing is sort of helping my body and helping myself to just release things. 
It's so interesting to me that so much of it is actually body-based in a lot of way. It was like you yeah. turned, you know, awareness into what you're feeling and these bodily yeah. sensations that, you know, over the years, perhaps might've yeah. been like the clenched teeth, yeah, yeah, the yeah. shoulders, like pushing it all down, like the tension that would have come with, you know, an attempt to not feel when this practice of like allowing and experiencing actually allows these emotions by the sounds to move much more fluidly. But also it sounds like you recognize that you are, you know, sensitive, you are going to take things on and you've got a proactive stance where you're like, well, I need to move my body daily. You know, I need to keep my body healthy as well as like moving your body is. And we go back to us being basic creatures, right? Like (laughs) evolutionarily designed. And we used to like run and shake, like we got our emotions out and now we sit in front of computers. So how, how healing to heal to hear that, you know, you are regularly engaging in preventative medicine as much as, you know, tapping in and connecting with things when they come up. No, and I think in parallel with this, I was sort of also, I was reading a book about the brain. It's a Swedish author and and, um, it's Anders Hansen. He's also released book in in English and he talks a lot about the brain and he's a psychotherapist and and doctor, or I don't know the words in English, but he's, he's working in the healthcare and he sort of is, is, he knows these things and he talks about the brain. And says that we are, you know, in a way, yeah, we are these basic humans. And, and previous years, and, and go back 199,000 years, we have been struggling for food. We have been hunting. We have been moving. So when we are actually resting, we should rest and not do anything because we should save our energies. So in a way, we are in those, we are those basic, basic humans. Like, why is it hard to go for the exercise? It's because your body has been, you should rest when you're not doing anything so and and also you should eat when you have the possibility and and you should there's so many of these natural things that actually stops you and those understanding your patterns and find what's actually good for you sitting by the computer the whole day like i also do i do like uh, working with it from from home it's like when i after a day's work and i feel tired it's not because i'm tired that i have been running around it's my i'm mentally tired so actually going out for a hike or a walk, it's, it's resting. But that is such a switch. I sometimes think about my, my grandparents. My grandfather was a, a, he had a farm. And I know we, we talked about it. My dad also used to tell me that, you know, he, in, in the winter times, he went to the forest and he was doing chopping wood lumber thing. And, you know, took the horse, put on the sleigh, went over the ice uh, to the forest and he worked there for the full day. And he sat there then 45 minutes on the horse back to the house. So he was out all day. He had just, you know, sitting by the horse on the lake. He didn't do anything. He didn't have a smartphone. He didn't, he was just there. And he was doing physical work, being outside. And then he got home. And the same with my grandmother, you know, working, fixing, taking care of five kids and, and having the farm and doing all these things. And of course, when, when they had done a day's work, they sat down to rest because they've been on their feet the whole day. And I think that is also maybe a, a change like if you have a grandparents or oh, sit down rest rest do these things because they have been in a different time so i think like resting is maybe doing the opposite of what you have been doing have you been standing up running around the whole day resting and sitting down but if you've been sitting down the whole day resting is actually moving because otherwise you would just get that sort of helps me to get these sort of perspectives it's it's in a way it's, it's science but it's also coming back to natural things but it, it sort of makes sense mm-hmm. your brain tricks you in a way in a way that you need sort of need to think hey 
am I helping myself or actually creating problems? That's really beautiful that it's really about balance, that it's ultimately seeking this balance in life, you know, this ebb and this flow. Um, And we need to understand our patterns, our routines to kind of know what the right, again, air quotes, medicine for us (laughs) is, you know, for some of us, the medicine might be to sit down at the end of a hard day's labor. And for a lot of us in this modern world, it's going to be getting our Mm. bodies moving, letting go the technology, kind of getting back into nature and having these moments where things are slower yeah yeah i you know because it's, sometimes it's, it's it's so fun you know i go a lot, of, a lot of hiking as well and people say do you listen to music do you listen to podcasts it's like no because i listen to things the whole day so being out in nature going for a hike it, it's actually having nothing but and then it's like, oh i cannot handle the silence and maybe that's a good question why can't we handle the silence in being in nothing because that then of course triggers something within so there's something built up. But I think that is also to understand that like when I go to the gym in the morning, it's not that I sort of jump out of bed and say, hey, I'm going down there. It's, but it's like taking one feet, putting it down on the floor, taking the second one, standing up, and then it's allowing myself to be tired or whatever. It's just that I know it's good for me. And I don't need to push myself. It's in a way I'm saying, how can I help myself to wake up in a nice way? comes back to intention then, doesn't it? It's not your intention to go and be the fittest or do the most. Your intention is to be the person who gets up and goes to the gym because that's what caring for yourself is. Yes, because there's so many pictures like, you know, to to the gym is for building up the body and sort of being strong and building muscles. Like, no, it's, it's, I'm going to the gym to actually release emotions. That's a big thing. Like, especially, you know, we under yoga as well. Like Mm -hmm. sometimes the yoga is like, it could be like, I don't want to go there. And you sort of are in that tension. You sort of, no, I don't want to go and do those positions. You can sort of feel that tension. And you sort of stay there and you just, just like breathe. It's going to pass. It's going to pass. And you breathe and it, it could be emotional sometimes, but it's actually oh, letting go. Yeah. And because learning it's, that it's, you can feel yeah. it, hey? Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned the breathe and let it go. And I think this is a really interesting point, isn't it? That we can be with our emotions, that we can experience our emotions, whether you're moving your body in the pool, at the gym, on a yoga mat, on a hike, that like being able to actually notice what's going on for us provides us this wisdom, this insight. And I wonder how, how this ability to kind of notice your experiences now also maybe provides a bit of a protective, um, a, a, a protective layer against the burnout experience for you. Do you feel like that happened as a result of, you know, you maybe not having the emotional awareness of your tension levels rising of, you know, what was going on, what you needed, you know, like, was that kind of in English, we would use the word alexithymia, which means like a disconnect or an unawareness of our emotions, our experiences. Mm. Do you think that could have been what was maybe going yeah. on for you then? Yeah. 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 No, because yeah, that sort of being so clear when I'm sort of, I think that's also a journey. Like if you go sort of come back from burnout, it's sort of, you sort of, you fall back again because it's, it's, you sort of recognize that your body say you should not be here. Uh, but it, it's been so clear for me, sort of step-by-step step, sort of understanding. I, I, I also sort of knew when I'm going in and sort of back to sort of these kind of normal normal situations, it's also having my, adding more of the things I need, I need to sort of balance myself. So I sort of added these things. But it's been very clear that I take on, I take on so much more from others that I, than I ever thought. And it's been so obvious for me now, and it's sort of more, 
it's it's very open for me now when I sort of see and I can sort of tension. I can feel like when I sort of when I went sort of burnout, it was I didn't I didn't understand that I sort of maybe took on other feelings as well because like at at my job at that time it it was a rough job at that time and it's like you know people are feeling bad and then I can see maybe I took on more responsibility and sort of being the happy one because you say hey it's not a good situation and then you want to fix it. So I think that has sort of maybe been my default. Like it's it's a rough situation, or people are scared, or it's a tension. Then I'm the one who wants to fix it, and maybe being the one extra helping, and then not knowing that maybe it was problems in my family and and then at work, I was fixing for everyone because I felt it and I took responsibility for all these feelings. So it was very very heavy on me, and I could not sort of see the way out because I needed to be there everywhere. And then it's sort of just to see that I see that still. I sort of can see the tensions and you can sort of feel the energies in, 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 in work and you can sort of see the people are angry and, and I can sort of see before that I sort of maybe, uh, what do you say, uh, protected myself and maybe sort of didn't talk because I was sort of scared of actually if I talk, people could get angry. And then I sort of realized, okay, I was afraid of talking because I could make people upset. I was afraid for their emotions, their emotional response. And I sort of seeing these patterns, how I'm taking responsible responsibility, not for my own feelings, but also for others, how they would react if I do something. So I see that I've been sort of holding myself back, not to create sort of disturb the calm water, because I don't want to, I don't want to take care of everything around me. If it makes sense, sort of that's sort of my. It makes a so lot of sense, different. and like the cognitive gymnastics that you had to do, you know, unconsciously, but to hold all of that, you know, mm. like the, um, the exhaustion and and yeah. the amount of calories your brain would have burning, yeah. just kind of <laughs> going through all yeah. of this and figuring out what exactly. the the right move is yeah. when you're weighing it all up. It's a almost exactly. like you know an umpteen mathematical equation. Yeah, isn't it? exactly because that's what I sort of realized. Is like I'm I'm sort of thinking all the time like if I do this, what will happen? If I do this, how will people react? You sort of try to balance and make sure that you, in a way, trying to make sure that you're doing everything right. In a way, I also thought it in a way to. Is, I don't know if the right word, but being mentally abused. Mm-hmm. I think that sort of has been, it's not, it's because maybe I've been sort of taking in so much more. I can sort of, that's what I've been feeling. So I want to make sure that my, I don't get hurt in a way, yeah. but it's not been true. It's not me being hurt. It's just that I take in so much more. So that has sort of been the sort of, but not to sort of disturb anything. I sort of been, what can I do? What can I say? How will people react? What is good in the room? And doing all this thing and just sort of balance everywhere to make sure that we don't create emotions because I didn't learn how to handle these emotions because I took responsibility for it. But now when I see I'm not responsible for other people's emotions, I'm not responsible for everyone's emotions, then it's sort of now I'm more calm in it because I can also see that energy, it's energies. It's just things that need to pass. If you have a conflict, it's actually good that we release tension. So just understanding that it's not scary, then it's also okay to be in this world because it's 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 just moving around. It's like nature, it comes rain, it's sunny, we have waves, everything is moving. It's not standing still like in ice. Then it could be like, yeah, move, move to the North Pole and, and be in a part of ice. Then, But that's not living. And then if we allow these waves of emotions, then we are not stuck. And since we are now overwhelmed with so much information, we just need to balance so much more that it is a changing world as well. And 
maybe our grandparents didn't, did not need these tools in the same way. Mm. They had different challenges. They were maybe have not different kind of, I don't know. Yeah. So many different, different life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's interesting. I love, I love the saying emotion <laughs> is energy in motion. You know, that oh, yeah. emotions are designed to move us and like, you know, that we are designed to keep yeah. moving and to be fluid, that we aren't designed to be ice. As you said, I haven't heard that before mm. and I love it. So Thomas, could you talk us through how we might go about constructing a routine that supports us and supports our emotional and mental health, particularly if we've reached this burnout point? Like what's the wisdom and insight that you gained in terms of creating a routine that is really sustaining you now? I think one of the key things is, is it's of course, it, it is to start with something, but also not trying to fix everything at the same time. I think, as you said in the beginning, like just taking small steps are really important just to sort of when I started to do my sort of workout that was a hurdle that was a big thing to actually take time for myself and allow that and sort of be kind to yourself taking these steps and and take it take those steps step by step but finding and see see it as a journey and see what what could be a good step to now because I think if people listen within you know what you need and 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 also understand why do you feel like taking sort of taking time for yourself? What what sort of triggers within you? Why is it what happens? What 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 are you thinking? What are you feeling when you take that first step actually doing exercise? What happens when you when you take a first step to like I like also start talk, start to put words on your emotions. I think that's a big thing. If it with family, with friends, or going to a therapist. But that was also a big hurdle. I remember when I sort of went to the therapist the first time, I was so uh, ashamed. I was like feeling like a failure. And also to understand that it's okay to feel like a failure, but it's okay to start talking as well, but also that it, that it is a big hurdle. And it's, it's to allowing yourself to say, hey, I'm taking a very big step now. I'm actually going to talk and be proud of those small steps that you take. Because sometimes we also want these sort of very quick solutions. But looking back, like if you go through school, you don't learn everything at the same time. Learning to ride a bike, you don't do that over a day. And that's what I sort of realized, hey, I'm at the bottom now. Okay, how can I take it step by step back? And what do I need? And sort of listen to myself and sort of take it step by step and allowing this journey. And allowing the small steps and allowing myself to fall back as well. Because sometimes you take one step, two step back. But it also, it's a learning thing and, and uh, taking these steps. But key thing, get exercise, nature, and, and to talk. And it could also be writing a journal. I, I wrote the journal. Oh, well, I was thinking <laughs> you were like the yeah. journal person <laughs> considering the vulnerable man is, as you said, yeah, yeah. really pulled from journal entries. So like that yeah. space to reflect and to practice naming your emotions yeah. and your experiences. Yeah. Oh, and another good thing. I think one thing I did, I did also these sort of group things when I went to yoga retreats and, you know, sort of you were with other people's and also hearing other people's stories also helped yeah. because you can feel so alone, but then also we're coming back. We are humans. There are 7 billion of us out in the world and people have experienced similar things. When you feel at your loneliest place, just realize people have gone through, through similar things, through war, through rough times, through divorces, through cancer, through whatever, and people have done it. So maybe it could be good to find a similar tribe where people have experienced the same things that you have done. Then it's also 
pe you can more people will understand you better and then it could be maybe sometimes easier to share that's what i felt in these sort of yoga retreats when i went it was for highly sensitive then it was so good to be in this environment that we and we sort of understood each other and we can sort of really talk about it so it's it's also maybe finding your your tribe or whatever we can call it that or have done similar experience because there you can also find strength mm -hmm. and then you can say you're not alone maybe you're the only one where you are right now but i can bet there are people that have experienced similar things around you and that's maybe a good thing with the connected world as well that you can actually find these people around us there's so many good groups on, on Facebook or uh, reading things or, or, or try to find information and, and sort of see that, hey, you're not the only one. That also, I think, helps uh, to see that there is, there is a way. How powerful, isn't it? You know, the sense that we feel shame when we feel like uh, alone in, in these experiences yeah. and then in starting to look for community, looking for people who've had similar experiences that starts to destigmatize, to shine light on the yeah. humanness of these experiences yeah. and how, how incredible to kind of suddenly realize, you know, I'm having this experience because I'm human and there's no one on this yeah. planet who escapes suffering is there. It's yeah. just, you know, our different histories and experiences are suffering may be different, but it's, it's ultimately all the same, the same pain. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it, it's um, in a way. If we take it down down to basic humans, then it's it's um, of course it's it's a struggle within, and we should respect that as well. It's it's a big thing, but also sometimes the simple things can be powerful, like taking these step by step, the small steps. I also like another thing. I did. I did the. I done the pilgrimage uh, Santiago de Compostela in Spain. It's, oh, it's wow. uh, eight hundred kilometers. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that was also a big experience for me. Like sorry for, uh, for listeners, I jumped in there because I was excited about it. For oh. Listeners who haven't <laughs> no, heard heard of no, because, you know the days no, you yes, spent walking. Big, yeah, it's, it's a big thing. You walk it's eight hundred kilometers, uh, and uh, you sort of it could be overwhelming to do that journey, but it's not that you need to do it in one day. It's planned to do in, in, you can do it in 35 or 40 days. And, and you sort of take it step by step. You, you go to the first kilometer, you go to the first village, you take a cup of coffee, you sort of move on. And I think it's, I think that is, was also so good for me when I did this also sort of during my, my breakup and things. And it was also helping me to see it is, it doesn't matter if I run today, like if I run to the next village, I want to finish quickly because maybe the next day I got tired because then I could not go as much as I did the day before. So just see that it is a journey and you will get there eventually. But if it takes, because some people worked, walked very fast and they maybe walked 35 kilometers a day and some 15, but it didn't matter. You ended up there eventually and it's your journey, your life. So wherever you are now, it's taking these step by step. And if it takes a month, two months, five months, a year, two years, three years, it doesn't really matter. It is your life, it's your journey, and you will get there if you take it sort of day by day. What an empowering note to finish on, you know, that we can take it day by day, step by step, our journey. And, you know, maybe the first step is some movement to reconnect with our bodies, to start letting that energy in motion, that emotion yeah. flow, you know, gathering the knowledge of others going through similar challenges, experiences, 
getting familiar with our temperament, our personality characteristics so that we know what we need and learning to put those boundaries in place like you, like you do so, so well, Thomas around boundaries around, okay, well in the evening, I'm maybe not going to be on a screen. I'm not going to be connected to social media. If that's what one needs getting out in nature and it being about the intention, you know, the intention of getting up as you do every morning to do your um, fitness routine is more about, as you said, brainwashing than about anything else. You know, the intention is, 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 is heartfelt. And I think that's incredibly powerful. So listeners do the next right thing. Thomas, how can, how can people connect with you more? Obviously we've been alluding to a powerful read, so um, they can grab a copy of the vulnerable man. Where, where else do you hang out and share your wisdom? Yeah, you can, you can find me on my website, thomasanderson.se. And it's the same on sort of Instagram, uh, thomasanderson.se. So there, there you can find me. And I will put those links in the show notes, listeners, so that if you are out walking <laughs> and podcast listening <laughs> or driving, that you can that you can find those links there. Thank you so much for, you know, your transparent conversation and sharing your journey, both you know in your writing, but with us here today. Thank you so much for having me. Absolute pleasure. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that conversation with Thomas as much as I did. You know, it's really, really important for us to recognize our mind-body connection influences our well-being so much. Moving our bodies can be so healing. You know, exercise has been described as the most effective anxiolytic and antidepressant on the market with nil side effects, you know, generally speaking. So I think it makes a lot of sense, you know, how Thomas describes his ways of reflecting, healing, and moving. If moving to the yoga mat is something that does spike your curiosity and you are keen to learn both trauma-sensitive yoga coupled with psychoeducation, you know, acceptance and mindfulness-based skills that support you in clarifying your values and taking committed action to creating a life that is meaningful, that is fulfilling. I would love to have you join in Yoga Brain 101. A great way to start the new year. We are starting February 1st, enrollment is open this month, January 2022, and there is an early bird taking place. So head to drcaitlin.com backslash yoga brain to learn more. I would love to see you there. And of course, I am wishing you well and so looking forward to connecting with you next week for another Wisdom for Wellbeing episode. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us this week on the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast. Please visit drcaitlin.com to connect, find show notes, other episodes, and to subscribe. While you're at it, if you find value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating or perhaps simply tell a friend about the show. Wisdom for Wellbeing is not a substitute for professional, individualized mental health treatment. If you are in crisis, please contact 000, your local emergency number if you are outside of Australia, or attend your local hospital ED.